Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Thank you so much for joining us. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. Uh, we are also podcasting these programs on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, many other locations uh, that you folks are reposting for us. And I thank you for doing that. Greatly appreciated. I'm a one-man band, so to speak, and I don't know where all of the locations are. So when you folks repost them on other websites and, and so forth, uh, it expands our reach to uh, help people to find those choices and knowledge of the choices to help make their dreams come true. We also will be giving you our guest's website shortly so that you can continue your uh, transformational and or evolutionary process. And we also encourage you, if you would like to, and if you can, support us financially uh, with uh, any contribution of any size. That's why we have a PayPal and a Patreon account for your security as well as ours. And we also ask you to participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s. And it is a time for you to go within, to find that still, quiet, calm, peaceful place where you can re-energize, rejuvenate, uh, recharge, uh, however you want to phrase it, in order to um, make it through uh, whatever challenges come your way. So we encourage you to do that. Our program today is going to be focused on a very special guest here on the program. And of course, as you all know, we're social distancing and at least as of this broadcast. And I don't know that it's possible to catch anything uh, through the Internet. Uh, your computer can <laughs> catch a virus. skepticism. <laughs> but um, we cannot, hopefully. Let's, let's, let's keep a good thought there. My guest is Lucas Kitchen. He is the author of uh, his latest work, Naked Grace. It's a quest for clarity in a world of confusion. Lucas, thank you so much for joining us on the program today. Thank you, Richard. Glad to be here. Uh, for you, this has been a lifelong quest as far as uh, uh, this, this aspect of Naked Grace. Um, Let's talk about, first, I like defining terms. From your perspective, what is grace? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, the original word that um, many in a Judeo-Christian background um, are drawing from is probably going to be from the Greek. Uh, and the word there means favor, actually. And so that without some context, probably doesn't give us a whole lot to go on. Mm -hmm. um, so ultimately, it can mean a lot of different things based on the context that we're using it in. So, you know, somebody could, uh, could say, oh, she walks with grace, meaning she didn't trip this time, or uh, that guy gave me grace when I um, rear-ended him in the car, meaning he didn't get out and punch me in the nose or anything <laughs> like that. So there's a range of meanings, which for me... Um, I think kind of caused some confusion coming up. I grew up in the Bible Belt, and I think um, it caused some confusion because it was actually kind of hard to nail down a, uh, a defining the defining um, aspect of grace. Yeah, there's also that uh, that prayer you say at the front end of a meal. Okay, who's going to say <laughs> grace go. this yeah. time? You know, yeah. I mean, I, we yeah. said the same prayer. Bo born and raised Catholic, said the same okay. prayer uh, at the front end of of a meal. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, I, I, I myself uh, have, have sort of adopted, especially when it comes to prayer and meditation, uh, I believe it was Teresa of Avila, uh, who was quoted in Paramahansa Yogananda's book, Autobiography of a Yogi, God is amongst the pots and the pans. Mm. And I loved that because what it said was you didn't have to be in a special place, uh, sitting or standing or in a particular position, uh, uttering specific words, uh, re- uh, you know, repeated words. And again, not that there's anything wrong with that, because, uh, uh, you know, uh, th- th- you've, we've heard of mantras and things of this nature that help us to sort of maybe get refocused, get our minds centered on, you know, what is really important in our lives. And so I've, I've kind of like when I'm doing the dishes uh, or if I'm out chopping wood, there's a, a wonderful Buddhist prayer as well or, or saying, I guess I should say, I think it's Buddhist. Uh, that helps you keep focused on what's really important and not worrying over stuff. And that is, um, I believe it's uh, chop wood, carry water. <laughs> well, if that's all <laughs> nice you're doing, simple. how can you focus on much of anything else? Mm, because yeah. chopping wood is a very strenuous, I know this because I do, uh, it's very <laughs> strenuous. Carry water. A, pound, a, a gallon of water is eight pounds. Now, I will go to the store and I will buy uh, maybe 10 or 15, sometimes 20 gallons of water in single-gallon containers. Then I have to carry it from the truck into the house, and I try to grab <laughs> two gallons in each hand because they have handles. Yeah. So now you're talking about 32 pounds I'm adding to my own personal weight. And that, you know, boy, if you're not focused, you're going to trip. You're not going to walk with grace, as that one definition goes. But let's talk about this aspect of uh, the quest uh, for clarity in a world of confusion. Now, would it be fair to say, Lucas, that we have been in a world of confusion from the very beginning, that where we are right now in this present moment, this is nothing new. It's maybe expanded a little because of technology, but it's nothing new. Yeah. Oh, I I absolutely agree. So um, I I get the sense that your viewers are probably from many different faith traditions and backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And so full disclosure, I come from a Christian background. And so I can kind of pull the hood, you know, kind of open the hood on uh, one of the things that goes on in churches uh, for those that are not you know, don't identify as uh, as Christian. One of the things that happens is, from the outside, uh, churches would like people to think that we're very unified and we all agree on, like what what the basic terms mean. Like you asked at the at the top of the show. Um, but but what I found coming up through church, uh, and th- and I'm not I'm not denigrating church, of course. I mean mm-hmm. I'm I right. I love it. But what I noticed was that. There was such a range of um, uh, of, of difference in how not only how one church taught the basic tenets of the faith against another, but even you'd find that within the same congregation, within the same you know meeting house, so to speak. And so, um, if these microcosms have confusion and have disagreement. You bet the world does. I mean, the world is is full of uh, of confusion and disagreement. And I personally believe that actually our 
social media saturated world um, that this division is actually growing because of the way that algorithms on our social media uh, actually work. They notice what I like and they drive me down that rabbit hole and they're driving my brother down a different rabbit hole because he has a slightly different interest and we find ourselves farther and farther apart every Thanksgiving and Christmas. I actually have a good relationship with my brothers, but that's just an example. We, yeah. we find ourselves kind of on these diverging paths Wait, is diverging this way, uh, separating <laughs> paths, and it seems to be happening even without us even knowing it. So, uh, so I totally agree. The world is struggling with confusion in a big way. Now, I mentioned at the front of the program about uh, a campaign that I have been promoting since September of 2019. Now, we started out with the first year, 2020, the year of perfect vision, going within listening to that still, small voice. And many traditions, many philosophies speak of this still, small voice. And that you can trust it to give you personally and individually the information that you need. Now, we're not talking about who I should vote for, what the lottery numbers are. We're talking about what's, again, going back to what I said before, what's really important in your life, right? So there is a way for us to find some clarity by going within, but I know that it's, there's more to it than that in the context of your book, Naked Grace, which I encourage people to pick up a copy of. Um, before we go any further, let's, uh, let's give out the website address so that people can uh, follow up with you. And, of course, this particular book is available, obviously, I'm sure, on Amazon and all of the other online um, uh, uh, outlets, if you will. <laughs> That's kind of funny to put it that way when you used to refer to an outlet as a, a brick and mortar. But you can go <laughs> yeah. to lucaskitchen.com. That's L-U-C-A-S-K-I-T. T-C-H-E-N dot com. Uh, we certainly would like for you to uh, uh, pick up a copy of the book. And we will be linked to your website, too, Lucas, so cool. people can continue uh, their, uh, their research and, and investigation. And yeah. one of the things that you spoke of, which I actually found quite gratifying on one level, was the fact that even within a congregation, no two people believed exactly the same. Yeah. And and the reason why that uh, elated me and gave me hope was because at least it said to me, oh, my gosh, each of these individuals is at one level. They're thinking for themselves. Yes, they're you know, they're they're hearing the messages that are given, let's say, in a, in a sermon, you know, in a in a in a service uh, or a, a, a radio program. And just for uh, your information, I worked for 15 years in the 80s and 90s. For a Christian radio station. Ah, okay. So I was uh, both uh, exposed to and bombarded <laughs> yeah. uh, by a wide variety of, I, I refer to them as sects of Christianity. Sure, yeah. But it gave me a thrill because it said, oh, wow, there are some people who are actually thinking for themselves. Um, and and so that was, quite, that was really very interesting. There was a, a, an an author and an artist, a musician, who uh, 
posed this to me, and I kind of want to ask you about this, too, especially in regards to your faith. And just just so you know, because of this program does uh, uh, have a, a very diverse audience uh, who have very diverse beliefs uh, uh, in different philosophies around the world. I never. Uh, I, I'm not Mike Wallace. Okay, we don't. We don't. Uh, we don't. We don't go after people in that regard. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to show respect to everybody. Absolutely. Um, but this particular musician, as I interviewed, and I interviewed him several times. His name was uh, John Fisher. Okay. Uh, and uh, a lovely voice. Really enjoyed his. As a matter of fact, I still probably have so, several of his albums. Vinyl, my friend. <laughs> but he, he said that he grew up in the Jesus movement of the 70s okay, yeah. in California. Yeah. Uh, and as we were chatting, he was, he was living now in New England at, that time, at this time. And he was telling me that one day he was sitting at his, uh, uh, his writer's garret, if you will, looking out the windows in, in the fall at the leaves turning and falling off the trees. And he started to ponder this question, which kind of goes to what I, I was referring to earlier. He said, the question that came to my mind was, is what I believe what I was told and or taught to believe or what I believe, what I have chosen to believe, what I have found? Sure. Yeah. And I thought that was such, such an honest perspective of self. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, actually, I was sitting with my wife this week, and we were talking about this this concept of, um, at some point, most young adults come to this question of, do am I going to stick with what I was taught, or am I going to try something else? You know, and and we see a, a mass exodus moving away from. I'll say the traditional church model. Um, And part of it, I think, is because the church is often a place where you can't ask your questions and and find satisfying answers. Now, I personally believe there are satisfying answers even within the church if the questions could be asked and there could be honest discussion. And like you said, people are allowed to think for themselves and not, not bombarded you know, by, uh, like if you're in a, let's say you're in a, a small group Bible study and you you don't care about the subject, but you are madly trying to determine whether you are even a theist, mm-hmm. that is a very important subject. And most, most churches, Bible studies are not really prepared to handle that question in the middle of what was going to be a, diff- a very different program. And so I really believe in when someone asks a question, I, I sort of see it as this this thing that is birthed into the room and needs to be dealt with. You know, it needs to be talked about. And so often I've been in these discussion groups. And again, I'm not I'm not bashing anybody, but I've been in these discussion groups where somebody has asked a question, and clearly, if, if it's if that's where the discussion is going to go, it's going to go off in a brand new direction, and the leader maybe isn't prepared for that. And so the question just kind of gets swept under the rug, and they move on. And guess what? That questioner often disappears. They often go somewhere else to where they can have those real conversations. And I think the church is potentially losing um, the you know, that, uh, I'll say that demographic of people who are questioning and wanting answers. Now, to your, to your question, I, I heard an interesting statistic, and I can't say where I heard it because I just don't remember, mm-hmm. but um, 
a study showed that um, 70% uh, somebody was quoting this to me as like a surprise 70% of people stick with whatever the faith tradition their parents taught them they stick with it they mm. they you know they live and die in that that tradition but what i heard in that is wait a minute that's some simple math 30% of people are shifting away from whatever their faith tradition was, uh, the you know the faith tradition of their parents, uh, you know, and so I'm thinking, well, that's actually that's a fairly substantial number of people that are seeking answers, and maybe they're not finding it in the tradition that um, their parents brought them up in, and so uh, yeah, so that so I think there is some movement, but I think a lot of people kind of get stagnant. And it's difficult to uh, really ask those questions. I'm, I'm interested, uh, do you still identify as Catholic or have you moved to a different tradition yourself? I, I will put myself in the category, and I've said this on the program many, many times, I put myself in the category of metaphysician. Metaphysician okay. from the standpoint, and this was something that I had to, uh, I brought to the attention of, of many of the Christians that I associated with back in those 15 years, which, by yeah. the way, I have to tell you, was the greatest education I was ever paid for. Because <laughs> uh, in addition to broadcasting that I learned a lot about, I learned about uh, the divergent, if you will, uh, beliefs and uh, doctrine sure. and dogma and all of that stuff. Uh, sociology, psychology, comparative religions, or at least uh, comparative religions when it came to Christianity, or sects, if you will, um, and and many other subjects. So, uh, you know, even though yeah. I don't have the paperwork to prove it, I have a Ph.D. in, in something. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is, but it's in something. Honorary. Honorary Ph.D. There, there you go. go. Yeah. And I, I, <clears throat> I, I would say to them, do you understand that Christianity is a metaphysical philosophy oh and they they would go nuts they think oh you're saying it's new age it's no 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 do you know the definition of the word metaphysical which they didn't well look yeah. it up and i'll tell you what it is right now and then you can confirm it it means beyond the physical that's all it means yeah, yeah absolutely and that christianity is just that that in spite of all of the the conversation within the the 66 books or in the case of a catholic bible i think it's 69 or whatever it is uh of the bible yes there is information in there about living in this world yeah but the core of the teachings of the information of the message is not of this world yeah i, I absolutely agree of the yeah. non-physical world now this is where and, and I'm, we're gonna we're gonna jump back into this this uh, this aspect of uh, uh, naked grace uh, available at uh, Luca, lucaskitchen.com. We hope that you will go there, folks. Um, I interviewed a gentleman back in the and I interviewed him uh, two or three times. He wrote a book called the, the Apocalypse Conspiracy. He was a born again Christian, Bible believing, so much so that he started to uh, do his own study and research and found that the Christian church had been sold a bill of goods mm. by the church, by the hierarchy, if you will. Yeah. And that um, he began to do his own research and his own investigation. And I read his, his was probably one of the first books I ever actually read cover to cover. I, I don't always oh, have wow. the time to read cover yeah. to cover. I have too many interviews. 
And I started to say, you know what? I don't want to be telling people that he said this. This is his research. I want to check this out. So I got my Strong's Concordance out, and I got my Bible, and I yeah. went to the passages that he he elucidated in his in a particular chapter. Uh, and um, I found that what he was saying was true, was correct, yeah. was accurate as far as what he was was espousing. Okay. And that's when I really got to the point of realizing that the whole Christian experience is an internal experience. And I always found it really funny, uh, Lucas, when when you would hear ministers and pastors, whether it's in the church or on the radio or television, talking about your personal relationship yeah. with Jesus, with God, one and the same, and so forth. And yet... They would constantly be passing judgment. I had a I had a, a Church of Christ to minister or pastor. He came right out and said, Richard, I don't believe you're uh, saved. I don't think you're ready to meet God. <laughs> and yeah. um, and that was paradoxical because it's like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, I can appreciate your observations, but this relationship that I have with my God is personal. Hmm. Who are you to yeah. tell me that I am or am not saved? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's actually a big... So that is actually one of the reasons I wrote this book is um, this this rash of um, external evidences that are used to tell other people that they're not saved. Because what I see is in within church, and, and I still identify as a Christian, obviously, and, you know, in, in, uh, in church. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, what I see is that there are so many, I'll call them theological traditions. Mm -hmm. There's so many theological traditions that do exactly what you said. Church of Christ is kind of known for that, actually. But even in the we, we might say the, the more gentle denominations, the more gentle sects of Christianity, we still see this subtle, um, this subtle approach to that same thing. And it may not be as on the nose, but it is still this process of telling people that they're not saved. Now, I actually do believe that God does give a requirement for, you know, having a relationship with Him, but it in, in my estimation, in my understanding, it's all about what you believe, not anything to do with how you behave. And so it's about, it's like, actually, it's kind of like what you said. It's, it's internal. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's about what you think. And if you say that to, you know, a, a, the vast majority of current church goers, many will just flat disagree. And so I've kind of, I've kind of gotten myself into a bit of a philosophical minority here mm -hmm. by, by just saying, no, I'm, I'm looking at these verses, and this, as far as I can tell, this seems to be what is said by who, the, the person whom I think is the greatest metaphysical teacher of all time, which was Yeshua, or Jesus, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a first century rabbi. I think, uh, you know, what he seems to be saying is your eternal your eternal experience is going to be based on what you think, what you believe, mm -hmm. you know? And so um, you can imagine the kind of pushback I've gotten oh, yeah. and those with this perspective um, from even the church. Now, I still am involved in church. I'm still in the church, but I also find it difficult to speak that in just about 
any circle, yeah. you know? And so, um, yeah, so I, I can relate to what you're saying there. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a very common situation. You know, it's interesting. What just flashed in my mind was the story of the prodigal son. And I remember a minister on the radio was talking about the prodigal son, only they, they put a twist on it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I'm going, okay, I, I understand where you're coming from, but if I'm correct in the story, that wasn't the focus. Um, and what he did, he did a whole sermon on the other son who stayed. That yeah, was yeah. his focus. Yeah. And I thought, no, the story focused on the one who went away yeah. and then came back. Now, yes, there was a reference in the story to the, the son who stayed and he was upset because, oh, my God, you're doing all the celebrating for him. And I've been here the whole time. All right. Yeah. I, but the story is about us coming back. To the father, shall, shall we say? Yeah. All right, and and I just thought, wow, okay, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll try to I'll try to absorb that, uh, and, yeah. and see if I can understand that. But one of the things that you're talking about here also, uh, the and and we've had a, pro, a guest on the program. His name is Greg Braden, and he's been on here talking about uh, one of his books was called the uh, Healing Power of Belief. Hmm. And uh, in our conversation, he said that there will come a day. Uh, when we will no longer believe, we will know. Now, you know, you don't believe, but, and, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't want to assume, you know that God exists. You don't believe that he exists. Am I correct? I, uh, you, you might find my definition of belief a little bit unique, actually. Okay. Um, All right, then let's talk about that. Because I, th yeah, I, cause I yeah. find that fascinating how, again, everybody has a different perspective and or definition of things. So sure, yeah. what, what, are you, what is a belief to you? So I did this, uh, this study a while back because I wanted to know what, what does the word... Okay, so let me, let me start with this. My perspective is that that heaven itself hinges on what we believe, right? And so I thought it, it really matters what that word means, you know, what it meant to the original authors who wrote it, um, and therefore also what it means to us today. So, um, so I began to do a study of what did, what did Greek, both in the, in the classical Greek era and the, um, the Koine Greek era, what did they mean by the word believe, because if, if that's what I've got to do, then I want to know what it means. And basically what I found was, and, and others had done this, I was mm -hmm. just kind of following the research. Sure. Uh, what I found was that it means to be convinced that something is true. Now that's exactly how we use it in English in non-metaphysical speak. Like, do you believe that the sky is blue? Well, you can answer that yes or no. I either believe that it's blue or I believe that it's green. I mean, if I believe it's green, then I don't believe it's blue, you know? So, Here's the problem, though. There are teachers, Bible teachers, teachers of, of many kinds, that will take these words and they'll agree. They'll say, yeah, yeah, you got to believe. But here's what it really means to believe. And then they'll begin to list behavioral aspects, you know, like um, the famous verse. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Uh, John 3.16 says that he who believes in the Son uh, no, will not perish, have eternal life. What many people seem to be doing is... is they just change that. They say, he who behaves, you know, yeah, belief, but, but also behave. You know, you, you have to behave in order to prove you believe. And that's, that's a ridiculous definition of believe to mm -hmm. me because believe is inter eternal. That'd be like saying, um, 
you know, I, uh, if you really believed that, um, you know, that the that Donald Trump is the president, then you would act like it. I mean, like, what would that even mean? That doesn't even mean anything. You either believe he's the president or he isn't. Although right now there's so much confusion with the presidency. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's not a good example, but you get the idea. I do. Yeah. So, yeah, actually, this is probably the first time that that is not a good example because there was confusion. I don't know. Anyway, point is, I take a very naturalistic meaning to believe that it's just to be convinced that something's true to unbelieve or not believe is just to be convinced that it's not true or to to not know so do i know that god exists well i would i would put it this way i would need to know what you mean by no because we actually use it multiple ways in english we can use it to mean um, that i have a hundred percent certainty or we can use it to mean I am aware of this as a fact, or we can use it to mean uh, you know a range of things. So like if you were to say to me, do I know Tom Cruise? I could say yes and no, because I don't know him personally. We've never had lunch, but I know who he is. I know of him. I'm aware of facts about him. So that would be, that would be my response is like, do I know that God exists? It depends on what you mean by no, but I believe he exists, meaning I'm convinced that he is. Could you convince me that he's not? Yeah, possibly. You might you might actually could, but the, the burden of proof would be pretty large. But yeah, I mean, um, I, I hold those things as open possibilities because I think that's the most nimble version of faith yeah. is to admit the uh, that, you know, as soon as somebody starts saying, I have 100% certainty about metaphysical aspects, I begin to say, Really? A hundred. I mean, like hundred yeah. percent. Like you can be certain in this moment, in a sense, but could you be convinced otherwise? And I like to hear people say, "I'm always looking at the evidence. I'm always considering, you know, what what these things mean." Yeah. So that's my thought on it. Does that make any sense? Or is oh, that absolutely. Just mumbo-jumbo? No, no, no. You're you're very clear. You're very clear on that. And I I think that's important, an important distinction to make and for people to understand. And uh, I hope that they will will take the time to consider it. I know one of my guests has has referred to belief as BS uh, hmm. because it's beliefs. Now, again, not denigrating what people do believe, especially when it comes to their faith uh, and God, but more in terms of, of who they are, why they are the way they are, and the beliefs that they've adopted uh, from their childhood, the beliefs that they were oh, okay. they were given that have formed who they are today. And that's yeah. what she, this person refers to as BS. And I can understand that. That makes perfect sense. I mean, there, there, are, there are certain reasons why we're stuck. We feel stuck in certain situations. Yeah. And it's well, because and, and of our... we get good beliefs and bad beliefs from our parents, right? It, because, like, yeah. I, I probably got from my parents that that color you see in the sky is blue. Yeah. That was an okay belief, mm-hmm. you know, but I probably also got maybe from great-grandparents and grandparents, you know, in some families there's, you know, some sort of subtle racism that's passed down or maybe not so subtle. Um, and so fortunately that wasn't really much of my family. But I know there's there's beliefs that are are good. There's beliefs that are neutral. There's beliefs that are actually just completely wrong. And all those kind of get packaged together and handed down to us as kids. And at some point, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier, at some point we kind of have to pick them apart and say, okay, that one, I'm okay with that one goes in the wastebasket, yeah. you know? And yeah. so for me, this book actually was kind of that, that process in a way, of yeah. kind of sorting out what things mean. I feel like I cut you off. I apologize for no, that. No, no, no. Absolutely This is your not. ship. You drive. Sorry. This is, 
This is a conversation, my friend, and yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the way conversations go, and I love them because uh, because of that fact. It's 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 uh, um, something that I don't see and or hear uh, on radio and television anymore. In yeah, sure. uh, in the early 1980s, uh, when Reagan first took office, he did something that I have never. I suppose I don't want to say I never forgave him for, but I sure didn't like the fact that he did it. And that was he eliminated what's called the fairness doctrine. And the fairness yeah. doctrine, if you're familiar with it, uh, has to do with uh, covering uh, um, both sides of a particular issue. Yeah. And when he abolished that, that's what really started the polarization uh, that wow. we, we are in yeah. right now. Now, that's yeah. the reason why I have... Uh, the, di- the 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 wide and diverse uh, uh, guests, subjects, and so forth from yeah, the sure. diverse faiths and beliefs and philo- I like to refer to them as philosophies. Sure, yeah, definitely. Uh, because yeah. there is, from my perspective, okay, just from my perspective, uh, my observations, uh, there is no right one. You've got to find your own way. Now, I understand that from different philosophies, that's abhorrent. Uh, that is yeah. wrong, yeah. and you are condemning people to an eternity uh, that you you know you wouldn't necessarily wish on your worst enemy per se. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. But the, the the fact of the matter is is that w- there are almost eight billion people on this planet, and all eight billion of us think in eight billion different ways. Yeah, and we need to listen to one another. You know, I'm not just going to sit here and say, okay, go ahead and tell us about Naked Grace, Lucas Kitchen. Uh, and you take 15, 20, 25, 30 minutes to tell us about it. Yeah, I like that. That was very nice. Thank you so much. I, I, I can challenge you, but at the same time, I can challenge you and still respect you. I want to understand where you and everyone else is coming from. Yeah, because sure. that's how I grow. That's how yeah. I, and, and yeah, I hope this isn't a bad word for you. I evolve, okay? No. Why do we go to school? Why do we go to school? Why do we send our kids to school? To help them to evolve intellectually. Yeah. And didn't it say, doesn't it say in scripture, uh, let us sit down and reason together? Well, how do you do that? And what do you use to reason? You use your brain. Um. You know, and so I, I'm I'm thrilled and excited about this whole process. We're talking with Lucas Kitchen. He is the uh, author of the uh, book Naked Grace. We're going to talk more about this as we continue here on the program. I'm Richard Dugan, and this is Tell Me Your Story. And we are talking, as I said before, with uh, a gentleman who has shared with us, I think, some wonderful, uh, in my perspective, great insights from his his perspective. Uh, as a, as a, um, I, I, and I'm going to put it this way: as a born again Bible believing Christian, no shame in that, no, no justification. Yeah. I always found it funny, uh, Lucas, um, the term apologetic, mm, and yeah. and I used to think, well, what does God have to apologize? Why are we <laughs> yeah. apologizing for God? He doesn't need our help in that regard. Yeah. Uh, I've even heard it said that, you know, when it comes to certain elements, you know, I, I joke about this sometimes, uh, uh, you know, when, when talking with someone, do you believe in this or that or the other thing? And they, they'll say, oh, no, no. I says, well, it believes in you. 
Whether it's, you know, whether it's, uh, uh, do you believe in uh, Santa Claus? Oh, no, yeah. no, no. Well, he believes in you. And suddenly that gets really creepy. <laughs> it, it does get kind of creepy, doesn't yeah. it? Uh, yeah. But one of the things that I have found fascinating about uh, my personal walk was back when I was working at that station and someone walked up to me and we were just, and we were having a, and I have to tell you that the majority of the conversations I had with many of the Christians that I worked with, ministers, pastors, and lay people, were absolutely wonderful. But hmm. I remember, uh, you know, we were chatting and somehow it worked its way around to, uh, uh, I said, I'm on my search. Hmm. And they said, yeah. really? He says, well, they said, well, but once you found Jesus, your search is over. And I said, well, the, the truth of the matter is, once I found Jesus, my search has just begun. Hmm. And the reason is because part of it was the questions I was asking, which, by the way, in other times, in other time periods in our history, uh, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation because I'd be dead. That's a good point. Yeah. I'd have yeah, a big H dangerous. emblazoned on my forehead, which yeah. I, I said I would wear. I would wear proudly as a heretic yeah. because the answers that I was getting to my questions just didn't make any sense. And this kind of goes back to what I, I, I quoted earlier or paraphrased, I guess I should say, you know, how, how we need to we let us sit down and reason together. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> um, when you, you you started talking a little bit about the reasons behind uh, uh, the, the book and um, th th putting this together, you know, and what's really nice is um, these are short little chapters Little, little short little things that, uh, that, that help people to, to, to sort of answer, I suppose, different questions. You, you know, you've got a chapter called Twilight, and you've got one, Showbiz, and another one, uh, Evangelism, uh, which uh, uh, I, uh, this is one of the reasons that I was always struck. Oh, and Once Saved. Um, I always found this uh, interesting that, that um, it was absolutely necessary to proselytize, hmm. uh, to go out of your way <laughs> to tell somebody that they were going to hell unless they did this, which basically, from my perspective, turned God into an extortionist. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Blackmail. A blackmail, exactly. You either yeah. believe this way, and this is why I think it's important to, to take a look at that, as you did, that definition of belief. What in the world does that mean? Yeah. You know, um, you know there are different philosophies or, or different uh, aspects of Christianity where uh, saved by grace, not by works. Uh, but then, of course, you you got to follow the Ten Commandments. And I'm going, but, well, wait a minute. Why would I follow the Ten Commandments? They don't, they're, they're no longer, uh, they're null and void. Because yeah. uh, this is kind of the way I put it. Jesus, uh, he came, he signed off on the old contract or covenant. So it's no mm, longer, yeah. it's null and void. And he yeah. signed off on a new contract with basically only one commandment, love. Mm. You know, love your neighbor as yourself and love God. Uh, you know, that's it. Uh, and, and all those other rules don't matter. And then, of course, people will pick apart those rules, say, from Leviticus. And I'm going, well, wait a minute. Hold on a second. I'm sorry. But you can't take one of the rules and ignore all the others. You either take yeah. them all or you don't take any of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would even say, so do, your, do you have a, a wife and, and daughters? <laughs> do you send them out into the wilderness for seven days each month? Yeah, do you do that? Yeah. Well, no, of course not. That's ridiculous because no, 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 no. Now you're starting to redefine what the rule is. Yeah. 
and on yeah. and on and on. I mean, it just it, it, so it starts to get a little ludicrous from that standpoint. Yeah. Um, but again, everybody has their own perspective on things. Talk yeah. to us about when you what was the impetus, the 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 initial I like to reuse the term catalytic event. Yeah. That uh, I don't know if that's where catalytic converter came from, but uh, be that as it may, that propelled you into compiling and putting together this book called Naked Grace. Available, by the way, folks, yeah. at lucaskitchen.com. Yeah, well, thank you for, for asking that. I, I um, the, the book is really kind of the story of my spiritual journey. And a lot of times it's humorous and probably should be embarrassing. I'm just not the type to get embarrassed about being a buffoon, I guess. So a lot of it's, it, I mean, it's, it's funny because of the, some of the silly things that I wound up doing. And I get the feeling it's okay to talk about just about whatever on your show. So Absolutely. I'll, share, Absolutely. I'll share, I'll share one with you, which you might find interesting. And um, I've done interviews where I failed to say, I'm not endorsing this. I was just a bit confused at the time. And so the, what I'm about to tell you, I'm not telling people to go try this. <laughs> I mean, unless, unless you want to, you could, I guess. But. Hey, there are things I've done that I would not want people. When as a kid growing up, uh, I, I was uh, I was experimenting with things in, my, in the washroom. So I took oh. bleach and I took oh. ammonia and laundry soap oh. and fabric softener, mixed them all together. And then I took a big whiff and oh, then started hurling. Um, How about a gas chamber, man? Egg, yeah, there you go. So makes, I don't recommend people gas. do this, okay? Don't do wow. that. Do as I yeah. say, not as I do. <laughs> well, uh, this is not nearly as dangerous, but it does have some danger to it. So okay. <clears throat> I heard, so at the time I was, um, I was a speaker and I would travel around and do like church youth events and stuff like that. And so I was always looking for tips, you know, and how did that guy do it? And how, you know, uh, it was sort of a mercenary time of my life. But anyway, this, this preacher said this thing and uh, it was something to the effect of uh, you need to you need to pray naked before the Lord. And, you know, I mean, it was a metaphor, right? I mean, I know what a metaphor is, but but I thought, well, there's an interesting idea, you know, praying naked. I've never, never done that, never, never tried that. And so I, I kind of got into this, this practice of, of praying naked and, you know, in private places, you know, I would, I would um, get down into my birthday suit and do some uh, bare bottom beseeching, I guess you could say. <laughs> and, so, uh, <laughs> and so I did that for a while and I started to get bored with it. I was like, I don't, I can't tell if it's doing any good or, you know, if I'm being heard by the Lord any better or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I was in college at the time. I was at a, um, a very conservative Baptist college. And there was this field that I thought was, I thought it was completely, you know, secluded out of the, out of nobody would be around there. I mean, I knew there was a road kind of down that way. And I knew that the president's house was kind of up that way. But I thought, you know, I'm, I'm here by myself. And I, I was having some you know, late teen angst or early twenties angst. And I thought I need to, I need to, I need to pray naked right here in this field, you know? And so I got into my birthday suit and started doing this strange linenless litany is another thing I call it. Uh, and um, not long after that, I saw this car kind of pulling along the road, the side of this road that was right near this field. And I realized that's a police car. And suddenly 
a spotlight clicked on and started scanning the field, you know. And so I just sort of laid back, tried to put my boots on and my pants on and and just, you know, I, I was afraid I'm about to get arrested for indecent exposure. Why? Because I'm listening to some goofball pastor that said you ought to pray naked, you know. <laughs> and so you, you, that's the kind of bizarreties that are in the book. But the point of them is to, is to say, you know, what are we doing? I mean, you know, people uh, that are in ministry often just kind of have free reign to say the craziest stuff, and nobody walks up at the end and asks them, what do you mean by that? How, how does that actually work? Can you define, like what you did at the top of the show, how do you find define your terms, you yeah. know? And so, um, and so that that's the kind of stuff you'll find in the book, just kind of me exploring, trying to figure out what what is this thing all about? What is it? What does it mean? And why are there so many contradictory, uh, you know, statements? And um, just how do we make sense of it? So hopefully that's not too crass for your audience, but I, I dare say it's, no, it's I, probably okay. I, I, th <laughs> I think it's just fine. Uh, one of the things that I find so fascinating uh, about all of this is just the, you know not only the defining of the terms. But I've always enjoyed uh, conversations where we, we, we challenge one another. Um, yeah, sure. But uh, then, of course, we'll get to a point sometimes where, you know, they say, well, here's the line. You know, yeah. here's, here's the line where you cannot cross because, la, 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 la. Yeah. And I said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, I have two questions for you. When you're talking about opposing perspectives, who, 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 where is the line drawn and who gets to draw the line? <laughs> yeah, it's a good you question. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where each one of us has to make that determination. I think one of the sad things from my perspective is uh, that many, many people, not just in this country but around the world, they have chosen to abdicate their personal responsibility mm. uh, and just and buy into whatever this particular individual is telling them, whether it's a minister, a pastor, a politician, an educator, that's true. Yeah. A, a, yeah. a physician. Yep. I was diagnosed in Mar in uh, July of uh, 2020 with type 2 diabetes. Oh, wow. And um, my and the physician, uh, you know, he said, uh, you know, this is going to be a long road, a long journey for you. You know, and I said, no, it's not. He says, really? I says, no. I said, I know why my blood sugar is so high. It's because of the pandemic. He kind of looked at me quizzically and I said, hmm. What did most people do? And I, I even put this to you, Lucas. What do you think most people did uh, during the first three, four, five months of the pandemic? And as, as far as uh, food. Oh. Comfort food. All right. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Now, have you ever yeah. heard, have you ever heard oh, the phrase, yeah. shop at the ends of the store, grocery store, or in the back, not in the middle? Because that's where all the processed food is, in the uh, middle. Okay. okay. Yeah. So mm. I said, look. We went to comfort foods. Before that, my blood sugar was normal. I was fine. There were a couple oh, wow. of times when I was listed as pre-diabetic. Okay. All right. But never type 2. So I says, this isn't going to take long at all. With less than two months in from July 24th, my blood sugar was back to normal. Yeah. Okay. I am no longer type 2 diabetic. My A1C went from 11.2. Normal is 5.7. Yeah. Mine went back to five seven. So, are you on discomfort food now? No, that's the beauty <laughs> of it. That's the beauty of it. 
is by virtue of going back to the the the, the diet that we were on, yeah, I sure. found even more foods that are good for me that keep the blood sugar low, but that I like that I had yeah. that we just we just didn't buy. It wasn't that I, I, I didn't know they existed. We just didn't buy them. Yeah. Um. You know. So. That is one of the things that I found so interesting. People abdicate their responsibility. And I have to say, I came to this conclusion uh, during those uh, formative uh, uh, years um, working for that st- the station in Phoenix was that you're either 100% responsible or you're not. And I hmm. always use okay. the analogy of a woman being pregnant. Either she's pregnant or she's not. She's not a little pregnant. <laughs> not like 40% pregnant. Not 40%, okay, yeah. you know, and that could drop, uh, could rise, uh, you know, fluctuate. No, no, it does not. Either yeah. she is or she isn't. And so, uh, and by the way, that was probably one of the dirty words you did not want to use because it was either the fault of the devil or God got the credit, which basically said to me, and then here goes the big H on my forehead, um, that you were a puppet on a string. Being manipulated by forces you don't yeah, understand. Determinism, yeah. And I just, I disagree yeah. with that. We're not puppets yeah, sure. on the string. God has given us these incredible lives. Yeah. To do, and I have to tell you also, uh, and I love for you to talk about this too. Uh, Jesus speaking to his disciples, he, he made the comment uh, at their query about the miracles he was doing. They were just like, oh, wow. Yeah. What's the secret? What the, tell us how you do that trick. You know, and I'll go, hey, a magician yeah. does not reveal his his, his uh, tricks. <laughs> but he said, and I paraphrase, oh, these, 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 these works? Oh, pff, that's nothing. You guys can do this stuff. But let me tell you something. You are going to do this, but you're going to do greater works than these. Yeah. yeah. And I personally believe the greater work is trans- the transformation of our lives. Hmm. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. When you start going within and getting in touch with all parts of who you are that make you who you are today, then maybe then you are no longer blocked from doing the things that you want to do in your life. Because a lot of people, they're blocked by fear because <clears throat> of past yeah. experiences. You know, Mm. I don't know about your childhood and whether you were abused as a kid growing up or you were bullied in school. I was bullied in school, not Mm. abused at home, but bullied in school. Yeah, Uh, And yet, my God, look at where I am today, you know. Uh, So I was able to get through those blocks. Now I understand better that those bullies were more afraid than I was. Uh, by the way, I did really good in track and field because you have two. Yeah, you have two. You have two ways of going. You can fight or get beat up or run. And I ran. So I did really <laughs> well. Running. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> I like it. So when, when we start talking about, uh, you know, changing our lives, you know, um, it just seems to me that, that we have been given a great gift. We have always been precious in the sight of God, even before this. See, that's something else, too, uh, uh, Lucas. I believe that we have always been precious. That's the reason why the sacrifice was made, because God saw his own creation and said, I don't want to lose them. They're too important to me. So then there's the sacrifice. And I don't know how you can become more priceless uh, after than before, but I honestly believe we became even more priceless. 
So yeah. that just and that's to me that's thrilling. Yeah, that's a thrill uh, to 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 acknowledge that. And then, my God, what can you accomplish in this world? What yeah. can you do? How about how about your your ideas about being a human on this earth, being one of God's <sighs> children? Uh, yeah. And again, not knowing your background as far as your parents. Uh, whether you grew up in the Norman Rockwell household <laughs> uh, or not, or, or if it was, uh, um, you know, uh, Charlie Manson's family. <laughs> uh, but um, your thoughts on, on this aspect of how Naked Grace can sort of open some of those doors for us. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I like that. So <clears throat> one, of the, one of the plagues that I think we, we wrestle with is doubt and unassurance. And so um, I think those that are in probably most circles of philosophy maybe wrestle with this, but I can only really speak to kind of the Christian tradition. But mm -hmm. within the Christian tradition, there are people that are constantly even taught to ask, am I really saved? Right. You know, uh, do I really have eternal life? And in fact, there are certain um, almost brutalist Bible teaching uh, teachers, that's redundant, Bible teachers who who enforce and encourage people to question constantly whether they're saved, whether they're really loved by the Lord, you know, kind of kind of going off of what you're talking about mm -hmm. there. And my what I realized, it took me a while to realize this, the journey that's really talked about in this book is really almost all about assurance. It's all about getting to the point where we stop asking that question because we've fulfilled whatever it is that God expects us to do. And so, you know, my, my perspective is that there is assurance in this life for those uh, that are seeking it. And it's interesting you said, you said a minute ago, uh, I, I liked what you said about how you find Jesus and that is the end of the journey, but actually Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, you know? And so, so my perspective is there is something to be found mm -hmm. at the very beginning of the journey. And I believe that's by belief in Jesus for eternal life. But then after that point, it's, it, it's mystery, it's adventure, it's, it's, you know, this, in, this incredible tale that's unfolding in front of us. And once somebody has done that, or even if, if they don't, they can test these moral concepts. Okay, so that's, the, that's kind of the, that's the salvation thing. But the moral aspects of what Jesus taught, you can test them for yourself. Yeah. It, it, why, don't, why don't you go out and be as mean as you can to everybody you can, see what that does for you. It makes you miserable. I mean, you, you can live a life where you pursue things that are, you know, uh, you know, whatever it is you want to pursue, but there are certain things that will leave you miserable. And so, mm -hmm. um, and so to me, the, the faith is testable. And anybody that, that sort of hides their philosophy behind mysterious terms, I, I just, I don't know. I don't have time for that. What I want to know is what, what does somebody mean by what they're, what they're teaching yeah. and does it work? You know, does it actually function for for me in this life? And so uh, what I was realizing is that some of the traditions that were really 
deeply rooted in the area where I grew up just didn't seem to work. They didn't seem to work philosophically. They didn't seem to work practically. And honestly, they were pretty contradictory. And mm. so I think you and I both, my friend, would have an H branded on us. Um, <laughs> and I am I am very much in favor of being alive and not being a crispy critter by being burned at the stake. And so, so I, you know, I come at this knowing that I've lost I've lost friends, I've lost relationships because I've shifted. Now I'm still, you, you would probably still consider me, I, I still consider myself, you know, born again, conservative Christian, but I've been, I've been shoved out of many circles because I've left behind the things that, um, you know, that I, that I was uh, raised in and some of those kind of Bible Belt traditions. And so my, my whole bottom line is that, God, like you said, God loves the world. There's these, there's these really dry kind of deterministic theological traditions that say, well, God only loves this little sliver of the world. It's just this little bitty bit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it maybe it's called the elect or something like that. And everybody else is just gonna, he's going to condemn to the pit, you know? And so, I don't, I don't see his love just being this, this sliver of humanity. I yeah. think when it says he loved the world, he so loved the world mm -hmm. that he did something very costly to himself, I think that means it. I think that actually is his perspective is that he really loves what he made and he wants it to find the, the you know, this path that he's, uh, he's putting us on. Yeah. So. It is indeed a, a, an extraordinary journey that we are all on regardless and it's important for us to to get to that place where we start to recognize not just our importance to the creator, but our importance to self. I mean, granted, you would probably feel that the most important relationships in order uh, would be a relationship with God, then with yourself and then with others. I'd actually put self more uh, up in the at the top slot. Because how can you then relate to God unless you can relate to self? Because, you know, until you recognize your value, uh, you know, it's, it's like dealing with a, a, a parent and you've done something bad. You just want to hide. You mm. don't want to expose yourself to that light, to, to that scrutiny uh, that's going to say, what have you done? And, and so forth and so on. When in fact... I just, I, I just think that, for example, I, I like to spend time sitting out in nature. We live uh, where we live here in Santa Barbara, up on the hill above Santa Barbara, where we're, we're in a rural area. And there are lots cool. of animals and plants and birds and the sounds and so forth. And it's just, it's just incredible. Yeah. Uh, and then I sit there and I marvel. Uh, I am in awe of what has been created. Yeah. I mean... When you say tree, everybody's going to have for, have a different image in their minds. Mm -hmm. And yeah. when you start looking out in nature and you see trees, there are no two, no two that are even close to identical. I don't care if you clone the darn thing or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And it's the same thing with human beings. I don't even twins are not identical. Yeah. Okay. There yeah. is that that element of uniqueness and that, that, that value that I was talking about. Um, so what would you say would be, 
if if you could if you could put this in the context uh, of a an, the ultimate message, if you will, or or the 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 focus that you would like people to have. Uh, in regards to naked grace, uh, a quest for clarity yeah. in a world of confusion. Yeah. Well, let me let me speak to those of your listeners probably that are similar to me first, and then I'll kind of broaden it. I would say first, if you are in a faith tradition that uh, has a lot of uh, what I call squishy words, and what I mean by squishy words is words that that get used a lot with a lot of pulpit pounding and a lot of gusto, but you don't know what they mean, I would say ask questions. Go and ask. And if there's not questions, maybe it's time. I mean, I'm sorry, if there's not clear answers that are well-defined, um, not, not a lot of circular thinking, it might be time to start looking for something else. Now, I'm not trying to get people to leave the church necessarily, but I do believe that there are so many churches that are teaching what I would call a works-based salvation, that you will not get into heaven unless you behave a certain way. And I just you know, I mean, the the I, I don't mean to denigrate anybody, but the two the two traditions that you mentioned, Catholicism and Church of Christ, I actually think both of those, by and large, are teaching a a salvation message that leaves people with no assurance and shackles them with a behavior-based approach to trying to get into heaven. And I think that's damaging. I think that mm. causes problems. And so if you if you notice that in your you know, church or your faith tradition, I would say maybe it's time to start looking for something else. And I would love to be part of, you know, part of that by reading this book, but I think that's just the basic. Now, I would, let's zoom out from there, and I would just say, you know, spirituality in general, or I I think some of the same rules still apply. So, there are gurus out there that, um, that have lots of squishy words, but then there are leaders of various kinds that actually can define what they're talking about. And I find myself, this is not, this is just kind of what I I find myself, I find myself gravitating towards people that can focus the microscope at every level of what they're saying and define each layer. Um, And what I mean is, if if I use five words in a sentence, I want to be able to define all five of those. If there's a word in my sentence that I can't define, then I need to work on that. And so I find myself kind of gravitating towards those kind of spiritual leaders and, you know, uh, uh, you know, teachers and things like that. So I guess that would be, that would be my approach is to say, it's okay to need some definition in whatever kind of, uh, you know, tradition you're in, I would say this book is designed to get people to, to begin that, that quest and begin to look. And I found myself at the end of this quest at a certain place. I would love everybody to find themselves at the same place I did, theologically, philosophically. But even if that's not where people wind up, I still think there's value in the quest and, uh, yeah. and you know, moving, uh, just moving forward. Absolutely. Uh, I think that part of this conversation is that it's been a conversation. It hasn't been a debate by any means uh, that that we may not agree on all points in that regard. But sure, what we yeah. do what we do agree on is that we want to help people to move forward in their lives yeah, to get yeah, free of the shackles that have bound us. You know, I mean, we talk about, you know, we, we hear quite often in the news these days about this aspect of slavery in this country over yeah. 400 years ago. You know, yeah. well, uh, regardless of the issue of race, humanity has been shackled 
and has been enslaved by many philosophies and twists that have been made in those philosophies that started out really good. They mm. sounded really great, but then uh, the human ego gets involved. The human personality yeah, gets involved. That's true. And yeah. it all just goes to heck in a handbasket or to hell in a handbasket. I can say that. <laughs> it's your show. <laughs> no. uh, and, and so I just find it uh, quite uh, fascinating to, uh, to, to pursue these, these ideas. It's just, yeah. to me, it's just wonderful. It, it truly is. Uh, yeah. and, and it's what we need to get to. Um, yeah. I produce another program called Conversations That Count. Uh, and it's as a program that I produce. I don't host it. Uh, and this woman, she's a she's a minister at a local church here, and uh, and uh, she has guests on uh, to have, as she likes to refer to them, conversations that count. Because many conversations uh. today, uh, someone's got to be right and someone's going to be wrong. Yeah. Sure. And there's no real understanding, and there's no moving forward. We don't get anywhere, and uh, so we just need to start start to listen to one another. And, you know, and it's, it, I have to say that, that as I shared with you earlier about my experiences at the Christian station, um, I was floored many times by acts of kindness, especially mm. on the part of the minister who said I wasn't saved and ready to meet God. Uh, uh, I remember one night I was closing up the station, uh, you know, shutting things down. We would sign off at a certain time. Uh, oh, no, I take that back. We would uh, switch broadcast sites. We would flip a switch and they would go out to the transmitter site and someone would be out there to take over. And it was pouring rain. And at that time, I was bicycling to and from hmm. uh, my home, uh, which was my parents' house. And um, one evening, following the live show that they did, uh, and, and the program, I still remember this. <laughs> I still remember the opening. This is Give Me the Bible <laughs> with Glenn Redman and Leon Goff. Those were the guys' names. Huh, and okay. I was shutting the place down, turning the lights out. I went out uh, went out the back door. There was still an awning there, and I thought, I'm, I'm going to get soaked, but eh, what are you going to do? Guess who was waiting for me in the parking lot? Mm, wow. Put my bike in the back of his SUV, and he gave me a ride home. Wow. And I thought... Wow. I mean, because there are many who uh, use, they love to use scriptures to just cut people out of their lives. Yeah, sure. Be ye not uh, unequally yoked to yeah. non-believers, right? Yeah. And, and I thought, what the, he said I wasn't saved. What the heck is he doing, you know? Yeah. And I appreciated it. Did he, did it. he preach at you the whole way home? No, he did not. I think, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I tell you what. Uh, it was it was it was an incredible experience, and another gentleman who is of the "Thus saith the Lord" scripture uh, concept. Yeah. Okay, yeah, only <laughs> believes in those words from God and Jesus. All right, if Paul said it, forget it. And wow. but he said something to me one evening. His name was Clyde Freeman, and he said something to me at the end of one of his programs that I will never forget. And again, this is one of those statements that gave me hope for the future. He said that. Uh, my mind is closed hmm. to the point that it remains open. And I thought, hmm. wow, that... <laughs> I have to think about that for a second. Yeah, it is a little paradoxical. But he was <laughs> not going to shut people out just because they disagreed with him. Yeah, he okay. wanted to talk to them. He wanted to find out where they were coming from. And if they could show him 
thus saith the Lord's scriptures, Old or New Testament, that contradicted his perspective on a particular subject, hey, he was open to that. Hmm. You know? Wow. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't find too many people these days uh, who, who are of that, of that mindset, regardless of whether it's a philosophical, political, educational, uh, economic uh, perspectives. I mean, I've often said, as far as economy is concerned, who said that this was the best? Mm, yeah. what, else have, what else have we tried? Yeah. Okay. And I'm not advocating anything in particular. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. Education. Uh, when they talk about cutting the budget uh, at schools, they immediately start cutting the, the uh, uh, elective courses. All right. Music and yeah. band and physical ed and so forth. Right. Uh-uh. Do it the reverse. Cut the yeah. basics. Because you're going to get the basics. And I use the example of music. All right. You can learn about chemistry. What were the elements that were used to make that baritone, that brass instrument? All right. <laughs> yeah, that's good. What, what's, yeah. what, are the, what are the combinations there that, that gives it its tone? You know, what's the history of this, of this instrument? Where was it first developed and designed and created? Uh, and then if you're going uh, to read music, you've got to learn what 16th and 8th and quarter notes, half notes, whole notes, et cetera, et cetera, and the silences and, and the bass clef and the treble clef and on and on and on and on. And then if you're going to put lyrics, I mean, most music today, isn't it poetry that's been put to music? Yeah. yeah so you now you're going to learn know. about poetry. And you're yeah. going to learn about syntax and English and, and how to write a song for that matter. Or I've even heard songs, I'm sure you have too that are literally telling a story. They, there's no rhyme. Yeah. There's no real syncopation, but the story comes through. Yeah. So you're going to get all of those various elements. And guess what? It's going to stick with the kid because now for the first time, you've actually put those basic courses into practical application. Yeah. And isn't that what kids often say when they're going through a particular course, sitting in the classroom, opening the book and reading the, the subject matter? Well, when the heck am I going to use calculus or when am I going to yeah. use higher math or when am I going to use chemistry or this or that? Because I'm going to be doing this, that or the other thing. And it has nothing to do with this stuff that we're learning here. Yeah. And it's when we make it practical. Yeah. And I'm wondering, and if you think that Naked Grace is a way of making one's beliefs, one's philosophical underpinnings more practical. Yeah, I, I like that approach. I mean, for me, I, I just, I wanted things to make sense, you know. Um, I, you know, I, I want to make a, a comment about what you just said because um, I actually identify with it a lot. So when I was in high school, there was this fledgling media class, and it was, it was just... Uh, not much, a couple of cameras and some cables we had borrowed from somewhere, you know. Uh, but it was a really important moment in my life. Uh, my brothers were in it. I was in it. Uh, from that, we actually also then began to build a recording studio in my parents' garage. And that set me and both my brothers on our career paths, you know, and, and this was just like a kind of a side, nothing kind of project at mm -hmm. a, a low budget high school, but it changed, it changed us because it gave us the basic skills so that when those kind of projects came up later in our lives, we're like, yeah, I think I could do that. I used to do something like that in high school. And now I'm sitting in a studio that I built, a multicam studio that I built, and we do recordings and all kinds of stuff. And so I, 
I'm with you. I think I think school, this is not an educational, you know, I, I have no authority in education. I don't know what I'm talking about, but my own experience was those those side, uh, you know, the uh, the workforce programs or even the music program, that was way more important for my uh, my future than some of those basics. Now, I am a writer, and you could say that, you know, maybe I, uh, you know, maybe I picked up something in an English class, but actually I probably topped out at about fourth grade. You'll read, if you read my book, you'll notice it's pretty simple. It's nothing, nothing complicated, you know? And so, uh, so I'm with you. I, I, I think the, the music programs, the art programs are extremely, extremely important. I, I'm not on a campaign for that, but that they have just, they've made a huge difference in my life. Um, no, so I understand. As, yeah. Yeah. As far as the book, I, it actually talks about some of that, about, you know, kind of our, um, our studio and my parents' garage and, uh, you know, that, that process. And so there's a lot, I think, that people will find practical in the book um, that um, I think will help kind of make sense of things. So, um, so yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think you're right. There's a, there's, a, there's a desire for our philosophy to be a bit more concrete. And that's kind of was that was kind of my, uh, you know, my journey trying to make it make sense. Well, I'll tell you, it has been um, really incredible to to be able to have this kind of a conversation and uh, uh, put this together in the in the way in which uh, uh, we have done. And I'm just astounded by the level of. Uh, education that we have when we are um, when we are basically looking at our future um, it just seems to me like we need people such as yourself who are uh, educated I mean I, I I only went to junior college for three semesters hmm. I did go to um, uh, a broadcast school for six months but it's like i said earlier i feel as though i have a ph an honorary phd in yeah, so many absolutely. subjects yeah that it's just incredible i mean the programs that i've produced over the last 40 plus years that i didn't necessarily host but i was in the presence of many different yeah, you're sitting there listening yeah unbelievable and i i applaud and i actually do actually uh, uh acknowledge and praise the the hosts Every time we do one of those programs and say, man, I don't know where you found this person, but boy, I'm glad you did. Mm, I'm yeah. really glad that you did. Mm. Um, one second. There we go. It's one of those things that I am just thrilled about that um, I hope it continues. I, I, uh, I've made a commitment um, and it was back when I was in my tw mid 20s, uh, mid 30s, I should say. We went to a family reunion on my mother's side, and my great-grandmother was sitting there, and she was 95 at the time, and I had a cassette player, and I was walking around getting interviews with people talking about mm, Nana and, cool. and her history and everything, and and uh, and I would even say at that time, I said, yeah, she's 95. I'm going to outlive that woman, and mm. as the years went on, I would say the same thing and then add to it, but she's making it really hard because <laughs> she's still alive. Well, she lived yeah. to be 100. Yeah. Well, I just turned wow. 60 in 2020. Uh, so I got another 40 years, another lifetime, another lifetime. Yeah. I'm excited and thrilled about that um, mm. because there's so much that, that I want to do. Now, 
hey, if I'm called home today, I'm good with that. Mm, yeah. Okay, I'm good with that from the standpoint that though there is still so much more I want to do, so many more people I want to talk with. Hey, you know, um, it's it's been a good run. Okay. Yeah. And I've accomplished yeah. an awful lot since I've been here. Um, and if if the good Lord gives me another forty. You know, I'm 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 good to go. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so good. this is this is this has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed this. Lucas Kitchen is my guest. LucasKitchen.com is the website. Naked Grace is the title of the book. It is a quest. I by the way, I love the fact that you called it a quest. Was there a reason you chose that word as opposed to any other like journey uh, or search or sojourn or what have you? Well, I'll, I'll give you uh, I'll give you one answer, but then I'll give you the more honest answer. <laughs> I I love the word quest because I love fantasy and uh, you know sci-fi and things like mm -hmm. that. And so you you often see that, but also it had alliteration with the rest of the phrase of the subtitle, which was confusion and quest. It had a similar sound, but but I but maybe the more honest answer is I love the fact that. Uh, that we're all we're we're all moving you know you, you can't stay still you're either you're either moving forward you're moving backward but you know we're, we're all on some kind of quest and i just wanted my quest to mean something i wanted it to to be headed somewhere and because uh, i feel like a, a lot of people are on a quest they're not aware of and they don't know where they're heading and um i just i wanted i wanted to be moving in in some positive healthy direction and that's kind of what the book was about mm. Well, we want to thank you, we being myself and the listeners, uh, for, for sharing your story and and this book. Again, Naked Grace is the title of the book. LucasKitchen.com is the website, which we will be linked to. And uh, we certainly uh, uh, look forward to uh, uh, maybe further conversations about this. Have you anything else I in the works? That. Or is this the main focus? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is, um, I don't know, this is book number 20 or so. But but I've got, um, so when kind of at the beginning of my writing career, I don't know why I put that in quotes, but you know, uh, at the beginning I, I started in fiction, and I'm kind of I'm kind of returning to that. So my next book, which will be out in January, is a fictional quest. Actually, um, it's set well within the. Uh, I'll give you the short pitch because I, I know we're probably about to wrap up. But um, so it's a future fantasy set in what the Bible actually has to say about the future of this planet and, you know, on into eternity. Um, and so if that pricks your interest, then uh, you'll be able to see that as well at lucaskitchen.com. Very cool. Very cool. I have three final questions that I like to ask all of my guests. You may uh -oh. have addressed it in some fashion during the program, <laughs> but I like to ask them directly. Before I do that, I want to remind you, the listener, that uh, this program is on the radio on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. The podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations that you folks are reposting. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, we want you to go to lucaskitchen.com, which we are going to be linked to so that you can continue to research and find more information and maybe the other 20 books that uh, he has written. And I think that'll be a lot of fun, too. He and I are kindred spirits when it comes to sci-fi uh, mm -hmm. because I, I love especially Star Trek and, and the whole oh, message behind that. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, if you'd like to support the work that we are doing financially, we would greatly appreciate that. We have a PayPal account for your security as well as ours. And please, please, please take the time 
sit quietly. If you can find a place in nature, if you've got a park nearby, even if you just have a balcony uh, and, and maybe you can spend some time when the traffic is light, if you live in the middle of the city, <laughs> and just relax, go within, listen to that still, small voice. I've said this many times, Lucas. The still, small voice is going to guide you. It's going to prompt you. It will never put you in harm's way. It might challenge you, but it will never put you in harm's way. And you can find that calm, peaceful, quiet space and place where you can re-energize and rejuvenate and recalibrate, if you will, uh, from the day's events or the coming day's events, whatever the case might be. So you're ready to rock and roll and and do the things that you came here to do, that, that you were put here to do. So we certainly hope that you will, uh, will avail yourself of that. All right. Author again of the Naked of Naked Grace, a quest for clarity, and in a world of confusion, my first of three questions is: Who is Lucas Kitchen? An absolute buffoon. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you own it. What is it? What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? I want people to find clarity. And finally, I think these are supposed to be short answers. I'm making them short. Do you want more? I don't know. Uh, it's up to it's entire. <laughs> I always leave it in the hands of the guests to answer these questions. Many people ask me for clarification. I say, whatever, whatever comes. Yeah. And finally, what is your life's purpose? Hmm. I I'm a teacher by nature. And uh, I want to, I want to gather, I'm going to use your word, I'm, I want to gather philosophy that works and share that with as many people as possible. Mm. Wonderful. Lucas Kitchen, again, I thank you so much for joining us here on the program and sharing uh, your story and the work that you are doing. We encourage people to go to your website, lucaskitchen.com, find out more about who you are and what you're all about. And... Um, we also want to thank you for listening and watching. I want to mention we're on YouTube as well, where you can watch these interviews and uh, get more information in that regard. As there's nothing like uh, really being a part and, and viewing uh, the, the, the guest uh, and the host sometimes as well. So please uh, check out the YouTube channel, Richard Dugan. Just look for the guy with the hat, okay? Not hard to find. <laughs> I'm Richard Dugan. This has been Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol.